Good morning, everyone. Good to be here again. Um, if I've not met you, um, in fact, if I haven't met you, and next time I'm here, just grab me and I'll come and sit with you at breakfast time, because I realise there's lots of people I haven't really got to know very well here. So um, I'm Richard, I'm pastor at the King's Church, uh, and it's a long story, but we, our church and your church go back a long way, a long way, like a hundred years long way, so, uh, but that's a long story, I won't go into that now. Um, and it's good to be here again, and I just love coming and just uh, being amongst a thriving uh, church faith family, so it's all good, it's all good. Um, I'm just feeling like I want to pray. Is that okay with you guys? Yeah? Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your family. I thank you for your church. I thank you that we are your church. We are your people. You've called us to be together. We pray this morning as we are here in your name, Jesus, that you would have your way amongst us. You'd speak to us and you'd lead us. You'd change us. You'd transform us. And come, Holy Spirit, and speak to us through your word. So I pray, come now and minister to us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, well, it's good to hear that you're having communion this morning. I don't know whether, I don't know, depends how long, there's a clock there, how long I go on for, I suppose. I, I have to dash off to go to King's, so uh, anyway, let's get through this. And the, the reason why is because um, we at King's, we, on the first Sunday of the month, we have a meal which we call Feast after church. And it's, uh, if I'm honest, it's the best bit of church, really. Uh, we get together to eat, and we invite people from... Uh, that we know through various different um, outreaches just to come. And so oftentimes our church service may have, say, 20 or 30 people in it, and then our feast meal will have 30, 40, sometimes 50 people, which is a bit chaotic. Um, and it's great, and I love it. Um, and so I was going to speak uh, about that at King's, and I'm also going to speak about food and eating together, which you do every week. So I'm kind of jealous on that part, you know, because I like the eating bit. Um, uh, but also, I think it speaks into communion as well. So I'll come back to that in a minute. So I'm going to read to you from uh, Luke chapter 15. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. If not, I'm just going to read it to you anyway. <laughs> Whether you like it or not, I'm going to read it to you. Uh, so Luke chapter 15, very famous uh, parable of Jesus, um, uh, the parable of the prodigal son. And as you know, or, if, or, or you may know, that Luke 15 has three parables about lost things. Yeah, lost coin lost son, and now I've lost even in my memory what the other lost, the lost sheep, thank you, yeah, I had a late night last night, um, so anyway, so Jesus continuing on from, from that, so he says here in verse 11, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons, the younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate, so he divided his property between them, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. I love the kind of very conservative way that is put. After he spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. 
but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come back, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat, so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So this parable, I have to say, I, have to, I just keep coming back to it over and over again. I don't know if anybody is this. Maybe as a preacher, I'm not allowed to have favorite verses, but this is one of my favorite things because, I don't know, it's just so rich. Uh, the story is quite short, but so detailed, and there's just so much going on in it. Um, there's so many different interactions and the different characters. It's beautiful. Um, and I think also, for me, it is one of the most beautiful pictures of the gospel. We speak of the gospel. Jesus never really just tells us this is the gospel. He, he actually tells us stories. And this is one of them which I think then explains the gospel. So I'm going to give you a just brief overview of this and I'm going to then tell you why I'm talking about this in relation to ship to food. So you've got this family. Um, and it may seem like it's like a one-parent family. So it's, it's very modern. You know, you've got a father and two sons. And you've got this younger brother, and he asks his dad, Dad, I want my share of the inheritance now. And in those days, as it probably would be now, it's effectively sort of saying, Dad, I want you dead. You know? <laughs> Imagine. So, uh, uh, and so the son asks his father this, and, and the, the dad, just within a line, like a sentence, the dad kind of goes, kind of almost kind of, yeah, all right. <laughs> okay. Probably the older brother, even at this point, is kind of going, you know, that, that look. You know the look. And um, so anyway, so the younger brother gets his, gets his stuff. He takes it off to a far country, and he squanders it with reckless living. Now, at this point, we're probably shaking our heads. Yeah? Either shaking our heads or hanging our heads, because we've either observed somebody else do this, or we've done it ourselves. Yeah, or both. Usually both. Um, and so this, this guy ends up bankrupt, and that bankruptcy coincides 
oh, these things seem to happen like this, with a famine, a severe famine in the land. You know, so there's stuff that's his own fault and then there's stuff that's out of his control and it's all crashed together in his life and then he's just at the bottom. Yeah? And I'm sure we meet lots of people in our community around us and you think, oh, how have you got yourself into this situation? And part of it is you think, well, I can see how you've got yourself into this situation. But also you can sort of say, hmm, but also stuff has just happened. And that's just the way life is. So he ends up um, getting a job feeding pigs, which is not particularly cool, to the point where he's so hungry that he yearns for the food that he's feeding the pigs, yet he's not even allowed to eat that. That is pretty low. Agreed? Pretty low. So anyway, there's, verse 17 is, is the kind of turning point in his story, and it says he comes to his senses, and, and he, he realizes that this enough is enough. You know? And in another translation, the ESV translation, it says he came to himself. And I think there's something important there where he suddenly just realized, this is not me. <laughs> I shouldn't be in this situation. I shouldn't be like this. Uh, something needs to change. In fact, if, if nothing had changed, if he stayed where he was as he was, he would have starved to death, literally. So he thinks to himself, you know, in my father's house, even the servants have more than enough bread. That's where I belong, even if it's as a servant. So he starts to return and, and he, he heads home. And so then the story kind of switches to the father and the father, strangely, sees him a long way off coming. And rather than kind of wait, kind of, you know, with the tut ready and the raised eyebrows and go on then, in you get kind of thing. He runs out to him. He runs out to him, arms around him, kisses him, best robe bombing, ring on the fingers, shoes on his feet, and he says, kill the fattened calf now. Do it, go right now. Let's celebrate. The lost one is found. The dead one is alive. My son has returned. That's how the father reacts. Now, meanwhile, the older brother... He's busy out working in the field, and he sees this commotion, and he says to one of the servants, what's going on? What's happening? You know? And he's told, your brother's come back, and all this is going on, and he gets angry. He gets resentful. He's been a good boy. Yeah? Sort of squeaky clean. He's done what he's told, and he feels like he's never had anything in reward. And then he's looking at this younger brother who is deserving of nothing. He's actually had his stuff and he's wasted it. He deserves nothing and yet dad has killed the fattened calf and they're celebrating. This is all wrong. So he refuses to go in. Family, eh? Like it couldn't get me any more real than this. Does anyone know a family like this? I do. Yeah. Does anyone live in a family like this? No. Okay. Yeah. So the father goes out to him. Just as he went out to the younger son, he goes out to him. He goes out the house and he tries to persuade him to come in. You know, sometimes you, you I'm, I'm sure it doesn't happen in your road, but sometimes you just hear some shouting in the street and there's two, they're just, some part of the family's arguing. There's been a party going on and they're going, ah, it's just kicking off in the street. That's this family. <laughs> That's family. That's just how it works. These things happen. So the father listens to the older son's complaint. And in reality, this older son, he's lived as a slave and never knew he was a son. Do you know what I mean? He's kind of slaved away, never realizing he was a son and was accepted as part of the family. He's just kind of got on with this. And So the, the father says, look, son, you have always been with me. You are always with me. Everything I have 
is yours. What an affirmation. But it is right to celebrate because your brother who was dead is now alive and who was lost is now found. So that's the story. You probably knew all that, okay? It's good to refresh our memory on these things. And, and I don't know about you, but when I read these kind of things, I think to myself, who do I relate to? <laughs> Maybe it's who do I relate to today, because that might change tomorrow. Um, or when your family's having an argument later, you might think, ah, oh, right, now where am I in this story? But who do we relate to in this parable? Um, and actually, who are we becoming? Because it's quite likely that we will be each one of those characters, the two brothers and the son in that in the story, we'll end up being them at some point in our lives. So I asked that question, but then, as I was reading it again this week, I noticed, and I'm sure this will be a motivator for me as well, how much food plays an important role in the story. Um, and I wanted to just look at that very briefly in view of we eat breakfast together. I always enjoy the, particularly the little raisiny, swirly things. I like those. They're good. Make sure you keep having those. Um, they're anointed breakfast. I'm just, uh, okay, you just ignore that then. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's good. We eat together. Um, but food is a strong motivator, is it not? I mean, particularly at the moment, and if you are involved in food bank or anything like that uh, at the moment, you realize that actually food motivates things. It's, it's a sort of a very base common denominator. Um, and in this story, if you notice, for the younger brother, it called food, or the lack of food, caused repentance. He turned round. And for the older brother, celebration in food caused reluctance or resentment. Re- actually, resentment. Um, so the younger brother, he got to this point of emptiness, isn't he? There's this kind of gnawing emptiness inside of him, and, and, and he's wasted everything, he's lost everything, he's been given, and he's, there's a consequences to his actions, and that consequence was that he ended up yearning for food, even food that pigs eat. Has anyone ever fed pigs? My kids love animals, so I've watched pigs being fed, but has, has anyone ever done that? Okay. Did you fancy what they're eating? No, no. This idea that he got to that point where he would even eat the food that the pigs were eating. I did look this up, actually. They, they fed them carob pods. Do you know what that is? Apparently, that's a substitute for chocolate, funny enough. So maybe pigs are just really into chocolate. But I have seen them online. They're not something that you think, oh, yeah, yum. I'll have one of those because you have to do quite a lot to it to make it taste like chocolate. Um, so that emptiness in him made him stop and just take stock of life. That need for food made him take stock of life and realize that in his father's house, even the servants were fed better than he was being fed now. And so he's drawn back to where he knows there's a plentiful supply of food. So food, or the lack of food, inspired repentance in him. But in the older brother, see the older brother, he then sees, he starts to smell the barbecue. And he's thinking, that smells good. Why are we doing this? Because of my younger brother, uh-uh, that's not right. And so resentment sort of kicked up. So it's like, well, they don't deserve that. Um, and so the, un- the idea of this undeserving brother eating the best was just like, no, 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 we don't do that. That's not right. We're not going to celebrate my loser brother. And so there's this resentment. There's this idea, I've been a good boy. I deserve this. And I'm not even allowed a small goat, he says to his dad. And there's this anger, this barrier, bitterness. 
and it's sad. But actually, there is a reality to that in the world we live in today. But then keep your eyes on the Father, because the Father, I'm sure you're aware, represents our Father. Keep your eyes on him, because food for him was a sign of celebration and salvation. And he wants everyone to share it, regardless. He's not that fast what you've done, really, you know, about in terms of the younger brother. He's just come in, let's celebrate. And, and to the older brother, look, come in. All of this is yours anyway. So he goes out. I mean, this is crazy. He goes out to the younger brother uh, who wanted to be a servant. Remember this. The younger brother would have been very happy. Just like, I just want to be a servant. I'll be the lowest servant in the house. Do whatever. I just, just a little bit of bread. That'll do me. And he goes out to him and he restores him, completely restores him as a son. Doesn't deserve it, but he does it anyway. And he says, come and eat. Not just come and eat, but come and feast. And that restoration is ministered through the meal. And then when the older brother kicks off in the street and they start having that argument, he goes out to the older brother who lived like a servant. He didn't live like a son. He hadn't realized he was his son. And he tells him, son, you've always been a son. Come in and eat. Come in and feast. And that affirmation is ministered through the meal. So this food, this feast that they have is a celebration of salvation in the father's house. The lost have found, the dead have come back to life. In fact, that older son was lost as well, wasn't he? He was lost because he didn't know who he was. He just happened to be living in the house but didn't even realize it. And the food, the feast, is, is a meal of reconciliation. It unifies the children of the father. So do you see the picture Jesus is trying to paint here of, of the gospel of our father, he's the one who runs out and says, come in. You think you're empty. You think you're worthless. Come in. Come and be part of the family. Come and, come and be filled. Come and celebrate. Come and take your place as a son. And to those of us who think we're slaves and we're just going, oh, nothing's really happening for me, he says, come in. Come in. You're a son. You're a child. You never knew you were, but you are. Come and eat. Let's celebrate. Let's, let's feast. The lost are found. The dead have come back to life. So do you see yourself in this parable? That's the question. In much of what we do when we eat, I think it's more than just symbolic in this parable. I think when we eat together, that there's an echo of this. I, I, I was talking earlier and we said there's a, there's a buzz in the room. I like it. I like it when I come in here. Stuff's going on. You know, there's a buzz, there's a something, there's a celebration, because as you look around, you realize, oh, these ones were lost, weren't we, all of us? And now we're found. And we come here on a Sunday, and you might think, well, yeah, the swirly things with the raisins, they're nice. But is that the reason you really come? I mean, it's convenient. It's, 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 it's tasty. But actually, when we share those swirly things with the raisins or whatever else we have, we remember we're God's family. We're the lost ones who are now found. So when we eat together, remember that. And then when we break bread and share to communion together, which is kind of like a special meal, isn't it? Yeah? All of this is very, very true. Everything that is in this parable is very true that when we eat, and, and sometimes we just think well, there's this little bit of bread and there's a little bit of juice. But actually, this is the meal of salvation. This is the meal that, where God says, come, 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 come. Come and eat this. 
Come and be part of the family. Come and share in what I have done and who I've called you to be and who I've accepted you to be and who you are in me. You're welcome in this house. So this is the good news. It's the gospel. Now, the one final thing I'm going to say about this um, is if you notice in the gospel, in, in this story, in the parable rather, sorry, we don't actually know what happens in the end. Yeah, it's a bit like Star Wars, the first Star Wars film where, what's going to happen? Darth Vader's still alive. Hmm. We don't know whether the younger son actually came in. Doesn't say. We don't know whether the older son came in. Doesn't say. We just know the invitation was there. And I think Jesus kind of says, over to you guys. Are you going to come in? Are you going to share this meal? Are you going to be part of this story? So where do you fit in? That's the question. I don't know what's going to happen next, but I'm going to pray and then um, I'll, I'll hand over to Julie. So Father God, we thank you for the picture of salvation that we get through this parable. We thank you, Lord, how food is a point of ministry of salvation, a ministry of reconciliation, uh, a ministry of celebration of the lost found. And I pray every time that this church gets together and eats breakfast, which is every week, there will be just a hint of that celebration each time. There will be a hint and a remembrance of the, cel- the celebration of salvation that happens, that we are all once lost and now we are found. We are all once dead and now we are alive. And particularly as we break bread together and share communion, let us know this story in our, in our own lives. And I pray for boldness to accept the invitation to come in from our Father. Thank you, Lord. Amen.